Praise God. Are you glad to be here today? So good to see you. Isn't it a beautiful day out there? I think it's going to be gorgeous. And uh, let's, let's love it and take advantage of it. Well, we are in a series, and I want to conclude this series today, entitled The Wind of Change. And I really believe that this series came into my heart because I felt so impressed. At first, I struggled with it because of all the bad news that was going on and the impending bad news and, you know, and inflation and, and uh, struggles and things happening in our society and in our culture and, you know, and everybody, oh, it's going to get really bad. It's going to be a terrible summer. It's going to be, you know, there's going to be riots in the streets and, you know, and especially after... Uh, the decision this last week that was passed by our Supreme Court, which I think is a giant move in the right direction. And we want to give, we, we want to give all praise and honor to God. In my lifetime, over the last 50 years, I could have never imagined that we would be here at this point. And that doesn't mean that it's not going to be here in the future. It just means that things, there, there does seem to be a change. But I felt impressed in my heart, like the Lord was saying, that there is a wind of change coming. And I believe that there is a fresh move of the Spirit that is going to be coming in, in and through the life of the church. And in fact, in Acts chapter 3, verse 19, Peter said that the Lord has promised that there would be times of refreshing that would come. And I, and I believe that we are at a place right now in, in our lives, in this church, in our nation, and, and in this world where this, we, are, we are due for a time of refreshing. Come on, can I get a witness out there? And so we've been on this, talking about this idea of the wind of change. A couple of weeks ago, I began out of Acts chapters 1 and 2, talking about wind power, because the power, the wind of change, the wind is the movement of the Holy Spirit, and He empowers us. He gives us the power we need to be what Jesus has called us to be, and to do what Jesus has called us to do. Last week, we talked specifically more about the revival that's coming and how to poise ourselves and get ready for the revival. Today, I have a message I've entitled, Be the Change. Be the Change. Can you turn to somebody and say, you be the change? Go ahead and tell them that. Now, I want to remind you, the Holy Spirit, if you will, is the wind power, right? But what the Holy Spirit does is He blows upon us in order to blow through us, if you will, to do what God wants to do in the earth. So in that sense, the wind of change is more manifest by the people of God and what God is doing in their lives in the earth. And this is what I want to talk about today. And I want to focus on this guy in the book of Acts. And you find him in three different passages of Scripture. He's not one of the original 12 or the 11 after Judas committed suicide. He's not the high-ranking kind of person. But his name is Philip. And Philip was just this guy that was just caught up in the things of God. 
and moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think we can learn some things from him. So I want to begin today by reading out of Acts chapter 8. And uh, I just want to, I want us to catch a sense of, of his life and of his movement and what the Spirit of God was doing in his life. And so we're going to begin in Acts chapter 8, beginning at verse 4. And I'm just going to kind of skip along through this chapter. It says, Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with A loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Now the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. This is on down in the passage. It says, the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza, or Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning, going back home to Ethiopia, and sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit of the Lord said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. If you read on in the story, he goes over and he meets the guy and he begins, he strikes up a conversation with him and through a process of witnessing and and pointing to the scriptures and unfolding the word of God, this man came to faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, he wanted to be baptized in water. And so he said, can I be baptized in water? And Philip said, if you believe on Jesus... Christ as the Son of God, if you really believe in your heart, yes, you can be baptized in water. And so they went down into the water, and we want to pick up at verse 39. It says, now when they had come up out of the water, now look at this, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. Would you say that phrase with me? The Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. Let's say it again. The Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more and the eunuch went on his way rejoicing. And then verse 40 says, but Philip was found in Azotus, Azotus, I guess is how you say that, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Anyway, that's the reading of God's word. Let's pray and... uh, Invite the presence of God to teach us this morning. Lord, we love you. We thank you for being here with us today. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that, we, that, our, that the scales, if there are scales blocking our vision of seeing what you want, I pray today that in the hearing of your word, those scales would drop from our eyes. Help us to see exactly what you are doing in and through our lives, what you desire of each one of us in Jesus' name. And everybody says amen. So one of the characteristics of wind is that it can provide or it can be a guiding force. Like 
a leaf blowing in the wind. In the direction that the wind is blowing, the leaf just kind of gets in the flow of that, and the wind guides its direction. Or if you use the example of ships at sea, when they're wanting to go in a specific direction, um, they will oftentimes get in what they call the trade winds, uh, and those trade winds that blow in certain directions will bring them to their desired destination. And so these sailors who learn to navigate these trade winds get to where they need to go. And as I was reading this passage about Philip and other passages, and I'll point these out as we get going a little bit more today, I couldn't help but get a sense that Philip was a man who was just blowing in the, in the, in the, in the direction of the Spirit's, you know, how the Spirit was blowing. Philip was just, he was just caught up in that, and he was just going where the Spirit was going. And he was just encountering people wherever the Spirit kind of blew him in, if you will. And he wasn't like, he didn't come into town like a hurricane force or like a storm wind. It was more like a a summer gentle breeze just blowing in. And wherever he went, he encountered people and he brought change to his world. The world where he was at. And in fact, that verse 39, where it says that when they come up out of the water, the Bible said that the Spirit caught Philip away and brought him to another region. And uh, most scholars believe that that is a very important phrase, and it's a supernatural happening that took place there. The word for caught is harpazo, and it's the same word that the Latins, their, Greek, their transliteration of that Greek word harpazo is what we call the rapture. And we've heard of the rapture of the church, the snatching away, the forceful snatching away of the body of Christ out of the earth. How many are you looking forward to the rapture of the church, the catching away of the bride someday when Jesus comes back? Well, That's exactly what the Bible infers that happened to Philip. Once they come up out of the water, it was like he was evidently supernaturally transported from where he was to another region where he began to preach in that place. And everywhere he went, he just kind of was blowing in the Spirit. Everywhere he went. And everywhere he went, blowing in the Holy Spirit, Things were changing. People were encountering the living, loving Lord Jesus Christ. And their lives were being transformed. Now, I want to ask you a question. You don't have to answer me out loud. But do you see this exact possibility in yourself? Because if you don't, you really do need to. See, when Jesus said before he left, after his resurrection, he said, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you in the same way. And the works that you saw me do, I want you to do the very same things that I have done. So that you can be like me in the earth until I come back by my Holy Spirit 
You can experience the same kinds of things in your life. See, Jesus had a vision for every one of us that sometimes we don't have for ourselves. He had a vision of people that were world changers. And I'm talking about people who affect change in the world where they live. I want to demystify this a little bit because when I talk about world changers, you're like, well, I'm no big special person. I'm no Billy Graham. I'm no the Apostle Paul. And none of them are you either. Come on now. I'm talking about Phillips. I'm not talking about Peters and Johns and uh, Bartholomews and all the other great disciples. I'm not talking about the original 12. I'm not talking about the Apostle Paul. This guy's name was Philip. He wasn't them, but they weren't him. And wherever he went, he went in the fullness and the power of the Holy Spirit. And he brought change in his world. Jesus sees this in you. You need to see this in yourself. Because if there is going to be a change, and we want to be a part of it, then we got to be the change. Come on now, I'm preaching. Don't, don't go quiet on me. And so today, I want to learn from Philip's example in the book of Acts how we could be a world changer. I want to talk about being a world changer. I want to talk about every one of us being the change to the glory of God. Are you interested in this? I hope you are because it's all I got. It's what you're going to get. I'm going to talk about being a world changer today. I got five or six little principles that I want to share with you today on what world changers are. Number one, world changers are, first of all, active members of the body of Christ. And we see this in Acts chapter 6, and I'll get to a couple of verses here in a moment. But Philip's we encounter Philip, first of all, in Acts chapter 6. And basically, it's when the church was alive and active in ministry, but there was a certain segment of the church, these Greek widows, who their needs were going unmet. And there were Greek-speaking Jews, and there were, Hellen- uh, there were um, Aramaic-speaking Jews, and the church was trying to provide and take care of these poor widows. But the Greek-speaking widows were not being taken care of as well as the Jewish-speaking widows. And so their needs were going unmet, and there was this problem, there was this dysfunction in the body of Christ, and there was ministry not being done properly. And so they called the original 12 and said, there's some unmet needs here and there's some people that are falling through the cracks and so what are you going to do about it? They said to the pastors of the churches. And Peter said, well, we've got our job to do, so here's what you guys need to do. We got to be doing what Jesus called us to do. We got to be fulfilling our mission. So here's what we want you to do as the body of Christ, because all of us are anointed of the Lord. All of us are called of God. All of us have gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so here's what you should do. Choose out from among you, the body of Christ, seven men who are wise and have a good reputation and full of the Holy Spirit so that we can appoint them over this ministry and they can take care of business so we could do what we're supposed to do and you guys do what you're supposed to do. 
Amen. And so it sounded good to the body of Christ, and they chose seven men, and one of them was this Philip. And Philip made himself available, and he jumped on board, and he became a part of the body ministry, the church. He got involved. He started right there, and the Bible called it, Peter said, it is not right for us to serve tables. So what he did was, he said, there's some other people that need to serve the tables. We got our job. You find people who are willing to step into the ministry and take care of this. And the thing that I want you to notice here is that Philip didn't start out uh, up on the stage, so to speak. He started out in the basement. He didn't, he wasn't in the limelight. He wasn't doing the flashy stuff. He was doing the stuff that not everybody else wants to do. Man, it's quiet in here. But see, this is, this is the way world changers function. They're not afraid to do the things that nobody else sees or applauds or notices. They're willing to do stuff that may not seem like it's fun or flashy, but it's important stuff. And see, this is the problem with the church today, if I could just complain just a little tiny bit, is that people, if it's not going to be the big thing, well then, then I, you know, then I'm nobody. But no, listen, how can God entrust us with more if we can't be faithful with the little thing? We've got to learn to jump in and to be a part and to solve problems and to help out where there is a need and see, God will begin to develop you and, and strengthen you and, and show you his heart as you are faithful in those little areas of life and just getting down on the ground and washing people's feet and just loving people right where they are and just serving them and just pouring yourself out to them and then you'll find yourself growing into this great world changer but it doesn't start at the top it starts at <laughs> maybe not i won't say the bottom but somewhere in between how about that are you with me out here here's what and he said here's here's what an active member looks like here's what a vibrant member of the body of christ looks like he said here choose out these people acts chapter 6 verse 3 says uh, he says, therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men or women, we could throw it in there, of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. See, God is looking for people. World changer people are people who cultivate an attitude and a disposition of life that looks and walks and talks and sounds a lot more like Jesus. You have a good reputation. You're walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You're wise. In other words, you're making godly biblical decisions over your life, and people aren't always having to pick you up out of a pit. Woo, come on. And he says, we will appoint these to that ministry. And Philip was one of those. And so he said, I want you to find people full of the Holy Spirit. 
I want you to find people who can be faithful in ministry, who we could appoint over this business. Do you know that there is church business that needs to be taken care of? Amen. I'm going to preach this anyway. There's church business. It ain't flashy, but it's world-changing. Amen. Nursery ain't flashy. In fact, it's stinky. But it's world-changing. Amen. And here's, here's the benefit of people who step into this role. Look at chapter 6, verse 7. This is the result of, the, of, of what happened here. It says, the word of God spread. How many of you want to see the word of God spread? And the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. I'm talking about revival broke out because people stepped up to the plate. Amen. So, world changers are active members of the body of Christ. World changers, number two, are willing to go to difficult places for Jesus. If you want to be a world changer, you might find yourself right where you wouldn't think you would ever be. And you certainly probably didn't want to go there. But that's what happened to Philip, and that's where we pick up in Acts chapter 8, because in Acts chapter 8, a few years after Acts chapter 6, he's been serving faithfully, he'd been working, but there's, there broke out persecution on the body of Christ. And we may be seeing that in the coming days. And persecution drove people out of the city of Jerusalem. And Philip obviously was one of those persons. And Philip, we, the next place that we see him serving, the next place that we see him <clears throat> loving Jesus and loving people, it's not in Jerusalem where everybody loves to be and everybody wants to go visit. It's over in Samaria where all of the Jews, by and large, would circumvent whenever they were traveling the land from the north to the south. They would find a way not to go through Samaria. No Jewish person wanted to go through Samaria. Even Christian Jews didn't necessarily want to be found in Samaria. But we find Philip later going up, and he is now in Samaria... Because Samaria was considered this other side of the tracks. It's kind of like how we all talk about Bozeman. Oh, I would never want to live in Bozeman. If you're from Bozeman, just disregard me right now. I'm talking about other people. I don't ever say this. Or I would never want to live in Missoula. Or I would, you know, we all have those dispositions. We like, I could never see myself in Seattle. Are you kidding me? Those people? Not just that place. For some of us, it's the rain. For others of us, it's the people. Come on now. You know what I'm talking about. Or there are some sections of Butte, Montana, you would never buy a house in. Now, you know I'm talking the truth right now. We all have this. But listen, by virtue of the fact that Philip is in Samaria... This means that he was willing, he was available to go to the difficult place. 
the unlike, and what I mean by difficult place, the place that we would consider a burden or a challenge, or it's hard, or it's not fun, or it's complicated. But can I say something to you? The difficult place could be God's destiny for your life. I can't believe I live here. Jesus can. He can believe because as he, he said, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. Can you imagine the God of eternity waking up to the reality of who he was one day? Like, I can't believe the Father sent me here. But he did. Why? Because he loved the world. And he wanted to redeem the world. And it was a hard place, and it was a difficult place, and it was a dark place, and it was a, di- a distressing place, but life came into that darkness. Hallelujah. And wherever you go, you become that, that light of Jesus in that dark place, and difficult place. And see, world changers are willing, and they're available to go to places that other people would circumvent. They would go around. They would never go there. And you won't catch them there. Amen. And so think of Martin Luther. Martin Luther, the great reformer, went to the difficult place. But there were a lot of things not right about Martin Luther. If you read his whole story, the man was, you know, he wasn't perfect. But he did come up with those, that thesis that he nailed to the door. And it changed the scope And the direction, there was a wind of change that happened. And at first, it didn't feel like it. It felt like a wind of pain. But change happened in the body of Christ because one man said, I will stand in the face of adversity, and I will do what God wants me to do, and I will say what God wants me to say. That's a difficult place when nobody else agrees with you. And if they do, they're not talking very loudly. Amen. Nobody's liking your comment on Instagram. Because they don't want to be identified with that. Amen. Or how about Martin Luther King Jr. Who said, I am willing to take the lead on this injustice in our society. Amen. And he did. And a wind of change came. It's difficult sometimes to to go to the difficult place. It's hard. Jonah didn't want to do it. A lot of us are like Jonah. Amen. Do I have any Jonah identifiers in the room today? When God says, I want you to go to Nineveh. He's like, no. I'm not going to Nineveh. Not even going to go. And, um, but when he finally did, and he went and he preached, and he still had a horrible attitude, but he, he preached and the city was turned upside down. A wind of change blew. And he was in a place he despised, and he didn't like it even after God moved. I'm just saying, world changers vital members of the body of Christ, and they start in the secret places, but they're also willing to go to hard places. 
Number three, just, just pulling things out of God's word about this guy. World changers are focused on Christ-centered ministry. In other words, your ministry, wherever you go, your life is all about Jesus, your whole life. Your work life, your private life, your church life, your family life, your leisure life, your vacation life, everything you are is all Jesus is at the center of it all. And we see this in Philip because when he was in Samaria, the Bible said that he preached the word of Christ. Now watch this. He preached the word of Christ. We read this. He performed the works of Christ. Miracles and signs and wonders were taking place. How many believe that God still is a miracle-working God? His word is truth. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away. My words will never pass away. So the word of God is still the basis. It's still the foundation of everything of our life. And so we preach his word. We work his works. We do the things that he did. We heal, we heal the sick. We cast out devils. We, we take authority over darkness wherever we go. And he also, and along with the whole city, they experience the wonder of Christ. The Bible said the joy of the Lord took over the city. Hallelujah. How many believe that can happen today? I believe it can. I think God is wanting to do that even in our time. And so Philip was all about Jesus. The purpose and the power of Philip's life and ministry was all about Jesus. He went to Samaria to bring Jesus to Samaria. We live in Butte, Montana, church in Whitehall, and any other surrounding over an anaconda and in that area and in dear life, trying to cover all my bases here. I don't want to be, and everyone watching online, um, wherever we live, Jesus lives. Come on now, are you with me? And that's what he wants. And are we living with this kind of purpose and intentionality. Remember, your life is not your own. You were bought at a price. You don't, you don't belong to yourself. Your time is not your own. Your resources are not your own. Your life is his life. And his life is your life. Amen. I want to remind us, I know, I know we've read this a thousand times, you've heard it, but I want us to look at it again because we need to be reminded often, this is what it's all about. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age." If you go back to the first part of that verse, it says, watch this. He says, go, therefore, in other words, wherever you are, you are therefore making disciples, baptizing people. In other words, making them to become a part of the kingdom of God and teaching them to observe all the will of God. And he says, and know this, wherever you, wherever there is, I'm there. So this is not only 
the promise of his presence, but this is the priority of his purpose for every one of us. That the promise is, I'm with you. Everywhere you go, you carry me. You bring me. In that job that you don't, you're not sure you want it, you're not sure you want it, but I'm there. Come on. I took a job one time that I knew was going to be a pain. And at first it was really bad. And I was begging Jesus, I want out. And one morning, about four in the morning, because I had to get up early to be to work. Ugh. I remember that. Now I, can't, now I can't sleep in. And I told Jesus, I said, I, I'm done. If you don't, you either change me or change my situation. And you know what? He always does the harder one. <laughs> I, I'm like, I could, there are jobs everywhere, Lord. No, he's like, no, I'd like to change you. Thank you very much. Amen. So anyway, I don't know why I said that. But anyway. Wherever we go, Jesus goes. Just need to remember that. And so it's all about world changers are totally and completely, unequivocally focused on the person and work of Jesus Christ. Period. Everything else in life fits under that and within that. That's a world changer. Amen. Number four, world changers are obedient to the leading of God in their life. They will obey. When God shows up, a world changer, wherever they're at and whatever they're doing, when the Lord comes in and starts to speak, they will respond to the voice of the Lord. They'll, they'll pay attention to it, and they'll get in the flow of it, and they won't let anything stop them from doing what God wants them to do. And we see this again in the book of Acts chapter 8. And the rest of the story is when there was this great revival happening, Philip was preaching Christ, signs and wonders were being done, people were believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. A little bit later, Peter and John come down from Jerusalem and they lay their hands on the believers and they all received the empowerment and the baptism of the Holy Spirit with power and great things were happening and uh, whenever there's a revival breakout in the church, it's always that's always a great thing, but a little bit of crazy also gets thrown in there. And there was a guy by the name of, his name was Simon. He was a sorcerer, and he, he kind of went sideways a little bit, and it tells that story. But, but one day, in the middle of this revival and this awakening, verse 26 says, an angel of the Lord came to Philip and said, I want you to go, I want you to leave this city and this awakening, and this revival, and this great happening. And I want you to go on this lonely journey down a desert road. I want you to leave the excitement of what all is happening, and I want you to go down there. Just go. 
And the Bible said he, he took off. And when he gets down the road a little bit, then it says the Holy Spirit, and, and, you could see, and he, when he got to this certain area, he could see that there were chariots, and they were obviously on the road going down to Ethiopia from Jerusalem. They had been up there for probably some festival or feast, and, and there was a eunuch, and, and he was in a chariot, but he didn't know. He just said, I want see that chariot? The Holy Spirit said, see that chariot? I want you to go overtake that chariot. Run after it. And he did. And when he got down there, he heard the man reading out of the book of Isaiah, and it struck up this conversation, which we'll go there in just a moment. But the thing that I wanted you to see is that when the angel of the Lord came to him, or when the Holy Spirit spoke to him, Philip immediately obeyed the leading of the Lord, and he responded. And he said, I'm, yeah, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. You know what happens to us? God, God does speak to us. God does bring impressions into our hearts. He does talk to us. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. Now, I know that people will say, well, I haven't heard God in years. God's been silent with me. And I, and I, and I believe God can be silent with us. I, I'm not saying that there are... You know, if, the, if there's a scripture that says, be still and know that I'm God, then maybe there is a stillness in his voice from time to time in our life. But by and large, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And Jesus taught that the Holy Spirit will teach you all things concerning me, and he will guide you into all truth. And so we also know that there is a voice of the Holy Spirit. There's a prompting, and he promised in the Old Testament that I will be that still, small voice behind you saying, walk in it. So I know that there are, and I, I don't know all the nuances of it, I know that there may be some season or days or hours of silence when I'm not hearing God, and if he's not talking, evidently I don't need to hear something right now. By the way, hello, I mean, if God is silent, and he is maybe occasionally in our life, maybe he just wants us to settle in what he's told us before. Amen. But you can always be assured that God is talking to his kids. I will be that still, small voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And so we feel promptings. We feel nudges. And we sometimes think that that's our thinking. But just like I'll stand up here and say to you, every evil thought that comes through your mind, don't claim that that's your thought. Because we know that there are lying strongholds that come right out of the mouth of hell itself, Satan. And so you don't believe every evil thought that crosses your mind like, that's my thought. No, it's not necessarily your thought. It's something that the enemy wants to raise up as a stronghold to destroy your life and to keep you in bondage. Well, in the same way, I would say to you that not every thought or gesture in your mind would you think, well, that was just me thinking that. No, that could be the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? Is this going anywhere with anybody? I'm just saying, if we're going to be people who are going to get in the blow of the Holy Spirit and move where God wants us to move, we've got to be a kind of people that hear God's voice. So that we can respond immediately 
Remember, our obedience to the Lord is not to be slow-bedient. It's to be obedient. It's not to be no-bedient. It's to be obedient. Amen. And so, when the Spirit came on him, he just went with the Holy Spirit and he, and he obeyed. I want to just say something about the voice of the Lord. Sometimes we leave too soon and other times we don't leave soon enough. When God speaks to us, we need to get in the flow of what he's doing and say yes to him. And so we have to listen to God. Now, Jesus said in Luke eleven twenty eight, he said, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Can you read that with me? Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Let's say it together again. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. That's what world changers do. When God says, I'm just going to do it. And he says, blessed. You know, here's, how, here's, here's the, the benefit of blessing. It blesses you. Because you're right where God wants you to be. And I'm going to tell you something. It may not necessarily be fun, but there is no better place than to be where God wants you to be. And you bless others because you're there, because God wants you to be there to be a blessing. And then you bless God because ultimately, because you obeyed, and people are blessed, and their lives are transformed, then glory goes to God. So when Jesus said, blessed are those who obey, that's what he meant. You're blessing yourself, you're blessing others, and you're blessing your God. Hallelujah. Amen. Is this okay? Now we're over half done. Praise God. Am I? Yeah. Number five. Number five, world changers are effective at leading others to the Lord. Now, this goes on after he shows up. There was this Ethiopian eunuch who held a very prominent position on his way back. Now, this guy obviously was a God worshiper, but he was probably, uh, he was a Gentile, but he was probably uh, dedicated to Jewish worship. And so he had a scroll of Isaiah. So he was interested in God. He loved the God of the Old Testament because that's all he knew. But he had not encountered the living Lord Jesus Christ and didn't know him. And there's a lot of people that are good people in, 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 the, you know, in the classic sense that we think of that. There are a lot of people who have kind of God-fearing tendencies. But listen, if you don't know Jesus Christ, you're still lost. You need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. And so this eunuch was traveling back home. He was in his chariot. He was reading out of the book of Isaiah. And Philip runs up alongside of him. And he's, he's there because the Holy Spirit told him to go there. And he didn't know what was supposed to happen. He, didn't know, he wasn't told what to say. He wasn't told how to address the man. When he got there... 
under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, he heard the man reading out of the book of Isaiah, and he, he just said, hey, do you know what you're reading about? And he just struck up this casual conversation, and the man's response was, how can I? Somebody needs to explain to me, was Isaiah talking about himself? Was he talking about Israel, or was he talking about the Messiah? I don't know who he was talking about. And so the Bible said, from the Scriptures, Philip began to teach him and to tell him that Jesus Christ is the answer to what he's reading about. And he went on this journey with this guy down this road for, who knows, an hour, two hours, six, who knows how long it was. But for the space of time, he just walked this guy through the scriptures, essentially bringing him to Jesus to the point where the man even knew that once you believe in Jesus, you need to be baptized. Because when they rode by a little pool of water, he said, hey, what prevents me from being baptized in that little pool of water over there? And Philip said, absolutely nothing, if you believe. And they got down, he stopped the chariot, they got down out of the chariot, he got baptized in water, and, we, and that's where we read the end of the chapter. But here's the point I want you to understand. We've got Christians, listen to me, children of God, Bible thumpers, listen, we need To know how to bring people to Jesus. Amen. We're not here to tell people, watch Fox News. We're here to bring people to Jesus. That's what we do. Jesus said you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you so that you will be witnesses to me in all the world. In your world. In your life. In your home. In your neighborhood. In your encounters. In your relationships. And people who are going to change the world have got to learn how to function in everyday life at bringing people to Jesus. And I have four little things maybe to help us out of this passage. Here's how we can lead people to Jesus. Number one, be perceptive. Be perceptive. The Holy Spirit said to him, the Spirit of the Lord led him, said, see that chariot? Go over there. Have you ever felt prompted in your heart? See that person? Or when that person walked through the door, there was just something that stirred in your heart. And you just went... What's this about? Come on. Anybody? Ever? See, be perceptive because you know what? The Holy Spirit may be drawing you to someone he's drawing. The Holy Spirit may be drawing a person, but here's how God works. He does his work through you and me. So he said, I'm drawing this person. Now I need you to intercept, be drawn to who he's drawn. Are you with me? And that takes a heart of perception like sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Then be personal. Be personable, I guess I should say it this way. Strike up a conversation. You know, if you get around people and I know most people are not reading out the book of Isaiah when you encounter them. 
But there are people in their world, they're, they're having God encounters, but they don't understand what's going on. And it takes an extra sensitivity on our part in the moment. And like John uh, Brunel will always say, you know, we got to learn to ask the right questions, you know. That's always bothered me because I never feel like I have the right question. But I mean, the idea of it is just paying attention to people right where they're at, what they're feeling, what they're talking about. You get a sense of what people need by what they talk about. And you don't always want to talk about the very thing that they're talking about. You bring an answer to the thing that they're talking about. And you're just dealing with them on a very personal level. They're an individual. They're not a notch in our belt, so to speak. They're a person. And we just talk to them in that way. And we communicate in that way. Amen? Are you with me? So we need to be, have perception or be, have perspective, uh, perception, be, be perceptive, be personal, be prepared. Everybody say, be prepared. Now what I mean by this is you got to know your Bible, Christian. You need to know your Bible. Every believer here needs to know the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the truth of God's word, so that we know how to answer. To lead people into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Because Paul said the gospel of God is the power of God unto salvation. We're not trying to politicize people. We're not trying to make, we're not even trying to make people moral. Hear me. We're bringing people to the person of Jesus. He'll help them to know how to vote. He'll help them to know when to say yes and no to certain activities. You know, we, there are things that are our business and there are things right now that aren't our business. And we just bring people to Jesus. This is an important verse of Scripture. Paul says in 2 Timothy 2.15, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That is not just for preachers. That's for all of God's preachers. Amen. Get into your Bible, know your Bible, know the, you know, and learn how to bring people, because the Bible said Philip walked him through the Scriptures, and he walked him through the Old Testament Scriptures, because there were no New Testament Scriptures. Come on now. You should be thankful you got the New Testament Bible to play off of. Try navigating the Old Testament this way. And it can be done. But... We have a new covenant, New Testament, that holds the truth of God and explains the truth. And so, yeah, so anyway. Then the, then the final thing is be practical. In other words, lead them to apply this. Here's what, here's what we're at. I mean, it may not happen in the first setting, but eventually there's, there's got to be a call to a surrendered life. You don't, listen, Pretty much most everybody believes in Jesus. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about believing in the existence of Jesus. We're talking about believing on him as our only hope of salvation, our Lord and our Savior. 
And people need to come to that place in their life where they have surrendered their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Philip led this man to that place. And that's the place where we lead them. Amen. I have one final thought, and I have to do this in 30 seconds or less because I'm, I'm past my time. The, the last thing that I want you to see about world changers, number six, is that world changers raise their family and their children to serve the Lord too. Listen, if you want to change the world, start at home. Remember the old poem that says, the hand that rocks the cradle, come on, you know it, rules the world. If you want to see your world changed, we need to start in our own house. And this is what Philip did. I'll just read it to you. Acts chapter 21. Now, many years later, many years later, it says, on the next day, we who were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip the evangelist. Now they're calling him Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven and stayed with him. Now this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. So he not only served God, but he raised his family to serve the Lord too. And that's how we change the world. We start in our own house. We deal with our own kids and our own families, and it breaks out from there. Amen? Can you stand with me? Let's all stand together. Thank you for being patient. Coffee is going to be served. But first, let's wrap this up in our heart. I believe that God wants us, every one of us, to realize that we are the answer blowing in the wind, so to speak. Not that we are the Savior, but we are just blowing in the wind of the Holy Spirit wherever we go. And God wants us to see that about ourselves. And so today, the things that we learned there, hopefully you can hide those things in your heart and, and build on them. Can I have the prayer team come right now, the, those who are going to pray? In a moment when we dismiss you... Um, you, you can go, but if you need prayer for anything, if you need healing prayer, or if you want to pray about anything that was mentioned here today, we want to invite you to come and receive prayer. Don't leave here without that. I know ministry was uh, dealt, dealt with a little bit earlier on, but if there's anything specifically that you need to hear from God about or just need a touch from God, these good folks are willing to pray with you. And I just want to remind you of one other thing. Next week, one service in here at 10 o'clock, come at 9.15, coffee and donuts, and then uh, that's, that's our version of breaking bread together. And uh, breaking dough, I should say, breaking dough. Amen. Could you, would you join me? Would you just lift your hands to the Lord like this? Let's just pray. Let's just pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray out loud, but I want you to say something to the Lord like, maybe just say, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, just fill all of us with your spirit today. God, you, you see the times that we're living in. And we are not even going through near what many of our brothers and sisters have gone through. And some across this planet are presently going through. 
God, we haven't, we don't know what pain and suffering is comparatively. But God, you see the battles we're facing. You see uh, the danger, I guess, maybe perhaps ahead. God, we're not asking necessarily for removal. We're asking for refreshing. A refreshing outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Wind of God blow afresh. In fact, you said to Elijah, or to uh, Ezekiel, prophesy to the wind. And Lord, we speak to the wind, the wind of the Spirit today. Come, blow upon us, Lord, that we may live, that we could stand to our feet, a mighty army. Spirit of the living God, blow afresh upon us, we pray. And that we'll yield to you, that you would be a guiding force in our life, bringing us right where you want us to be. We love you, Jesus. You're so awesome. All to you, God. You get all the glory and the praise. Amen and amen.